my, uh, uh, <laughs> mic and amplifier on my belt. I had it on here on my desk for, um, on the pulpit here for Sunday school, and I knocked it off with my coffee and everything else and went all over the floor and cut Sunday, cut Sunday school short. Maybe you're praying, put your, but there's a, no, cut church short, you know, you know, yeah. But um, today we're looking at, and I entitled the message, The Door, and um, we, were, we were talking about how that, well, Jesus in Revelation chapter uh, 3, verse 20, it talks about uh, Jesus standing at the door. It says, look at me, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear me, call and open the door. So Jesus, this is an admonition in the book of Revelation. John is uh, seeing this as Christ is standing at the heart's door of an individual and knocking at the door. Perhaps you've seen that painting where the, Jesus is in this grotto and he's next to a, a, the door of a home and he's, you know, as it were, knocking on the door and wanting to gain entrance. Well, in, this, in, in Revelation it says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I will come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table just as I have conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father, that's my gift to the conquerors. So when we, when we look at this and we think about how that when Christ enters our lives, um, I think of it in the context of how that God, we're just not like walking into the church. You know, we walk in the church, I came to church today, I go out the door, I left church today. So we sometimes have that picture of how that Christ enters our lives, that it's just like, okay, I go to church, I believe, I, you know, I leave church, and I put that in a box till next Sunday. <laughs> My belief system and everything, you know, and some people are very orient, oriented to their faith as a weekly project, uh, a weekly commitment, and, you know, you spend an hour with God, and, you know, that's all he wants, and uh, we go on from there. But it's more than just coming through a door and sitting in a building. Whenever we, when, when I think of it, um, anybody, okay, Sunday school lesson, what is this? Thank you, see I told them to tell you that. <laughs> okay, this is a coffee filter. All right, now what does a coffee filter do? Yes, <laughs> we have some really smart people in church today. Now, it's a coffee filter, it filters coffee. Well, we know that in order to make coffee, you know, you put the coffee grounds in here and you pour water in the other bin, push the button, it heats up and goes through here and out into a pitch in, in, into a pot and you have coffee. Well, whenever we come into our relationship with Jesus Christ, he is saying, I stand at the, knock, I stand at the door and knock. When Christ enters our life, it is not like a door opening and walking through. It is like Jesus walking and living inside of us. It's where Christ is coming into our lives. He's not sitting beside us. He's not sitting to the left of us. He's not standing above us. He's not, you know, he is all these places. But most importantly, he is in our hearts. And he's in our lives. And that we are... I was thinking of, of doing this, and since I'm using it, I probably won't, won't do it, but the visual is if we, I was thinking of making a, a pot of coffee, 
so you could have coffee during church, right? Uh, no. <laughs> we would put here and you make it, you know, take our pot that we have downstairs. We put the coffee in the, in the bin, you know, and pour the water in. Turn, turn the water on and let the coffee, the water go into the filter. First of all, the water starts out clear and pure, okay? Gets in there, gets heated, goes up in, and comes down onto the coffee. Well, a little trick. My son, he loves coffee. He will grind coffee till it's just a powder. He'll take boiling water, put it in this jar in a container. He'll shake it up. He gets this press and pushes out all, you know, pushes the fine grounds down. And then you can drink all these really fine pieces of coffee. <laughs> you know, you know, you can drink coffee grounds, you know. It's really, it's really potent. So that's what he likes. But if you take this coffee and you know, the water goes into the coffee, and sometimes I'll, I'll let it sit in there. Don't put the pot under, okay? I've forgotten that time. It was all over the floor. But you don't put the pot under it, and you, you stir the water in the coffee grounds, and you have the coffee grounds and the water together. I liken that to being really just all out in sin, you know? We're pure. We got defiled. We're just rampant with things going wrong in our life, sinful things in our life. Well, then we put the coffee pot under it. And thanks to the filter, it goes through that, this filter and all the really bad things filter out. And, but we, we have the coloration, the discoloration and the coffee that is here. And sometimes I think of that as the coffee in the pot as being perhaps um, wanting to be good, trying to be good, you know, asking God for help, you know, and the really bad things are filtered out of our lives, but the, you just don't quite have it, you know? Just always a struggle, always wanting to do better and failing in the, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, baby, I'm no good. And, you know, we have go through all of that stuff, and, you know, and it feels like we're just totally not making it, not cutting it. Well, then, the other day we were up at... Uh, the store, and there's a filter that if you pour water into it, there's four stages in it, <laughs> and it's going to filter all that out. And I wonder if you took that coffee, poured it into that filter, if every discoloration and taste would go back to being clear water. And you would find that started out as clear, went through the whole sin process and then was separated and then came back out at the end as pure water. That's what happens whenever we go, Christ comes into our lives. He is, you see, whenever we go in him, with him, through him, as we go into this relationship, the, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, <laughs> filters out, takes away from all of us, it takes away all of our sins and they just kind of fall off as we enter through him. They just, all those sins just kind of fall off and they're, they're discarded. Jesus says that they are, they are cast into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against us again. See, you and I can do things that God can't. We can remember our sin. He doesn't. Because when he separates us those incidents, those situations never are brought up again. It's our failures and our inabilities to, and I think this is whenever we're like the coffee, 
You know, we, we, know we're, we know we're not doing all the bad things, but we also know that we're not as good as what we could be and that we still remember being in that filter of, of wrong and sin and so on, and we bring that up. But you see, God wants us to go through the final, as it were, the final filter, which is always him, and that we are to come out as white as wool. The prophet said that, that we, we enter into this relationship with Christ and the blood of Christ washes us and cleanses us. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. You know, sometimes they, they say that the, the hardest stain to remove is red dye, red pe- pigment. Well, though our sins be as scarlet, that the blood of Christ washes us and cleanses us from all sins so that we are pure. So in this verse here, Jesus is saying to us, I'm standing at your door, and I want to come into you. No, I just don't want you to open up the door and let me come in, and you know, we'll have supper together, and then I'll leave, and you know, you're left on your own. That he wants us, to be, wants us to have this relationship with him. Now, the relationship that we have with God, <laughs> um, I, I said this, I've said this a number of times, so. It's not that I'm senile, it's just that it's, it's emphasis. No comment, Ruth. Uh, <laughs> I heard her back there whispering something. Uh, uh, this, is, this is not participation time. <laughs> no, uh, no comments from the next to the last row. But uh, so we enter into this re- relationship we have this relationship going on. It's antagonism. Okay. But, um, but we have this relationship where, where God is in, in relationship with us. So here is the God of creation who, you know, and this was a, a thought from a couple of weeks ago, is that you, you take the, the, skelos- the skeletoscope. <clears throat> you take the um, telescope that's out in space Hubble, that the old one, and you go out as far as you can in, 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 in space and see as far as you can in space, and if you could get there, and then on the other side of the universe, focus in that direction, you know, God is in those places at the same time he is in this place. So how does a God of that magnitude, who spoke all of this into existence, how does he relate to us? How does he how does he teach us about what life is? Because we are so caught up in the life that we're living, we're, you know, trying to get through the day and do it right, and we've got the coffee color, and, you know, we're trying to make God happy, and, you know, he forgave us, but yet we're still remembering, and, you know, it's like, how does all this work? So how does God make all this come together so we can understand it? Well, the word Christ became flesh, so Christ came to be with us. The living word came to teach us what life is about, what life is, and what is the value of our life. And, and much more, but that in a nutshell there. So we have the word of God, and we want to understand it, but we have to understand it from a position of relationship. You know? You can say, uh, well, we're going to teach you, you know, say you're in China and uh, 
you're, you're in China and you're going to be married to a person, prearranged marriage to a person in, in America, and uh, they are totally different cultures, and somebody's trying to tell you what marriage is. <laughs> you know, well, it's going to take a relationship and the merging of cultures and the mer- for all of this kind of, for this to work. So just talking about it as two separate entities, individuals, we're never going to understand it. We can't understand those things. But as we come into our relationship with Christ, as we enter into it and we begin to study the scriptures, and as we have this relationship, we begin to understand that what God, what God is wanting to give us. See, what does God want to give me in my life? He wants to give me salvation, mean forgiveness of our sins. He wants to give me a new life. He wants to give me a life that is totally filtered and pure again. <laughs> now, as we go enter through him, and, and as we enter into this, and, and, and this verse, he's talking about, uh, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit uh, be, alongside me. So Jesus is talking here, you know, if you have any doubts, <laughs> if you have any doubts about who wins, not the election. <laughs> if you have any doubts about who wins, you read the book of Revelation. At the end of the book, we win. Okay? Now, an author, I, I heard this, that an author who is writing a book will write the ending and then come back and write the storyline and write a beginning. In our life, God knows what our end is. God knows where we, he wants us to finish. And so with that finish in mind, God is at work in our lives now trying to help us to understand as we go into this relationship, he wants our sins and our failures and our, our misconceptions and our faults and all that to fall off of, filtered out of our life. Okay, so we enter in. And so in that process, we are then conquerors. Conquerors. Paul says that we are more than conquerors, that we are able to overcome. Now, overcoming does not come because I'm tenacious. <laughs> I've got a, a can-do-it attitude. No, it comes because I believe in the Scriptures and I believe that God empowers me to do. See, God gives me the strength to go to arrive, to conquer, to overcome. So I get this strength from God to, to do all this stuff. So we are conquerors, and whenever we go down to uh, John chapter 10, verses 6 through 10, in the Message Bible, it says, Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about, so he tried it again. I'll be explicit then. I am the gate for the sheep. Although all those others are up to no good, they are sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep don't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for. Will freely go in and out and find pasture. So we find that this is, you know, in, in Revelation, it's talking about the door and God wanting to come into our life. And in, in here in John, he's telling us that he is the gate, that the sheep have to pass through. 
okay? And they will go in and out. They will go into the sheep gate, the sheepfold, and they will go out and find pasture. So as we are going into the sheepfold, into the sheepyard, we call it a barnyard, <laughs> into the sheepyard that we are, as it were, being purified that we've entered into this relationship with Christ. But then as we go out through Christ into the world, we are picking up the promises that God has given us in his word that we are going out to serve. We're going out to love, <laughs> to love the unlovable, <laughs> to forgive the people who don't forgive. We are going out and we are remembering the promises that I can do this and that as we go out into the, our world and out into our life, God has given us an assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That we are in this world, but this world, we're not of it. We don't belong here because we live here, but our, the power of God that works inside of us is to give us strength for the moment that all things will work together for good, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that God has a will and a purpose for our life. Now, I, I also heard this week, um, there's an expression that some people like to rub it in. <laughs> well, you know what that means, right? Yeah. You did something wrong, they keep rubbing it in. The devil likes to remind us of our faults and rub it in. Uh, God likes to rub it out. <laughs> he likes to rub it out so that what was in our life has no more effect upon us and the, the, dis, the, the discolorations or whatever, those things are removed. So uh, also this week I, I saw this guy, I don't know where I got this stuff, but anyhow, God directed me. <laughs> Um, this guy was repairing a car. It was a very expensive car that somebody had keyed. You know, they took their key alongside of it and just gouged it out. And, and he was repairing this car. And I was surprised how that he was able to, you know, it's no big deal. He was able to, you know, he magnified the crevice that had been dug into the metal. And he taped it off and papered it off. And then he went along with filler and filled in the, 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 the scratch. Then he went and smoothed it off a little bit. And then he went with the paint and put over it. Then he smoothed that off. And by the time he was done, you, had, you couldn't tell where the scratch was. You see, when, when God fills in the, the areas of our life that have been in the cesspool of, uh, that's not a good picture for the, coffee grounds uh, but uh, as the coffee grounds are in there with the water that God is able to filter that out to the place where there is no trace of it remaining in the final product so and and this is what God wants to do with each of our lives well what about my willful and intentional sins what about my unintentional sins what about my faults and failures and falling on my face what about it God filters that out of our life. We go through this. And so we go through this gate, we go into the gate, we go through me, we'll be cared for, we'll be freely go in and out and find pasture, a thief. <laughs> you know there are thieves around us. Maybe even in our neighborhood, you know. There are people who will steal from you. There are people who will rob you blind. And, you know, it's just 
there are, there are people out there. We, you know, we need to be aware of it. We don't need to live in fear of it, but we need to be aware of it. In El Salvador, where uh, David lived, uh, there were people shot on the street right outside his home. And every home he was in, there were people killed on the street right outside. And um, he said, whenever you go somewhere, you don't take your cameras, you don't ha display them, put a big sign up and says, tourist, you know, flashes on your back. <laughs> you don't wear that sign, tourist, because if someone knows you're a tourist, you have money, you have things that they want, and they're going to get them. And they would just walk right up to you and say, give me, the, give me your camera or I'll shoot you. And this, in this case, the guy who was from Europe, he said no, and they shot him and took his camera. I mean, it was just that type of blatant crime. And so there are people who are willing to steal. And you see, this is what the thief does. In our spiritual life, the thief is not Christ. And, and it's not you. It's evil. We can call it Satan. We can call it demons. We can call it whatever we want. But it's, it's that which will rob us of the good that God wants to put in our lives. It's almost like um, your, your water's pure. Let's, let's throw a little coffee in there. <laughs> let's throw a few more grounds in there. Don't, we don't accept them. It's only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So Christ is the door that we pass through. We go into, in with him. We come out from him. So whenever we're coming out from him, we're learning what the word of God is. Now, uh, there are things that, and, and this is where I just kind of pull back a little bit and, and say, um, see, I pull back a little bit and talk. <laughs> uh, your dreams. Dreams are, you know, when kids are little, what do they want to be? Fireman, nurse, doctor, preacher, a what? A wrestler. <laughs> Professional football player, professional baseball player, professional basketball player, three foot two, going to be, you know, dumped. You know. So we have all these things that we want to be. But what happens? We're generally told that, you know, there's this, there's this guy who's on TV. Uh, uh, his story is he grew up in, in, in an underprivileged neighborhood. He, he, you know, he was extremely poor, poverty level, and uh, his teacher wanted them to write down what they wanted to become. And he wrote on his um, slip of paper, I want to be on TV and make people laugh. And uh, the teacher was going through all the things, and so the teacher pulled his out and had him come forward and had him read it to the, to the kids. And the, the teacher said, now, is there anybody in your family that does this? Of course, the little boy said, no. Is there anybody that you know that does this? And the little boy said, no. And so the teacher gave the piece of paper back to the boy and says, you need to go home and write something down that's achievable. Okay? Now, if you're in a, you know, if you're working with people, one of the things is you want to make them have achievable goals, you know. You want to put something that's achievable, but, but you can never give rid of your dreams. So here's this man who went home and he showed his dad what he had written, and his dad says, you put that on your dresser and in your, where your, your shirts and stuff are, and every morning you get up and you look at that. 
and never forget that that's what you want to be. Okay? That guy is Steve Harvey. <laughs> that's on, you know, that's on the TV. Family Feud and big, Little Big Shots. And I, heard, I saw this one on Little Big Shots. Do you have that with the Chinese? You couldn't get it. Oh! Oh! Send you a link. I should have done that. Okay. I was just on the internet. But anyhow, there's this, there's this, uh, these two little Chinese, these children, and they don't really know each other till they showed up at this talent contest, and uh, they sing the, the song, The Wind Beneath My Wings, and the girl is maybe five or six, and the guy, uh, the, the boy is maybe nine or ten, and they do a song that is just like, you can't believe this is coming out of children. And then, uh, and that would, that's what I was going to, uh, whatever, I should have sent you the link, it's my fault. Uh, but then, in this, this other little thing, Little Big Shots, this little program, there's this little kid, probably about five, four, he takes the basketball, little basketball, and he throws it from anywhere, anywhere, and he makes it. He was like three or four stories in a balcony in a, in a motel, he throws it and he makes, he makes the basket. It's not like, let's shoot this 500 times and maybe he'll make one. He just makes it all the time. And he'll stand on stage and throw it 20 feet, boom, every time, just knock it in. They take him up in a, uh, in a um, platform, up in the air, Steve Harvey's there hanging on, this kid's sitting there and dunking the ball, and it's up in the air 25, 30 feet, just every time, the, he doesn't dunk it, the ball goes through the net. And, and the thing is this, what takes away our dreams? <laughs> and sometimes it's us, sometimes it's others, but you know that somewhere along the line, God has put something inside of us that gives us the sense of where we are going, the sense of purpose. You know, when Rachel was in third grade, <laughs> Um, she uh, began to, she took care of uh, Denise, a special needs, second grade. In second grade, she took care of a, a, a special needs child, Denise. And Rachel came home and said, I'm going to be a special needs teacher. Second grade. Rachel is a special needs teacher. <laughs> that no matter what happened, that's where she was going. That's what she was going to do because she knew that was what she was supposed to be. And even when a teacher told her, you're not college material, you better get another, you better get another idea in blind. You know, see, there are always things that come into our mind and into our lives that people don't see the potential. They just see certain things that they make judgments on. And in our lives, and I think that this is where God is, we go in and out is we go into this relationship with God and we, come out and we pass through him out into the pasture, out into life. There are qualities that God wants to awaken inside of us. There are qualities that God, inside, he already put them there, they just need to be awakened. They need to be brought to life. And they're not brought to life, and, and sometimes we can do this on our own and we're, we have this thing going on inside, but it's really something that God has put there, and God wants to, will bring it to life by his Spirit. And the Holy Spirit touches our life with the promise, like when we run into difficulties, God is there. And sometimes, um, this rub it in, rub it out thing, 
uh, I, I was talking about this, you know, to myself. I was talking to myself about this. And uh, it was, self got a really good answer. <laughs> but uh, on today's newspaper, it might be, it might not even, I don't know if it's the Johnstown paper or the Pittsburgh Gazette or whatever. I don't know which one it is. But on the, no, it's the Johnstown paper. And, and on the headlines on the front page, rubbed out. Okay? Now, you wonder sometimes, you know, God, rub it in, rub it out. Okay? Okay, God, you know, is this really you? I need a sign. You know, give me a sign. How about on the front page of the paper? <laughs> okay? But you see, the signs, not, the, the, the signs that uh, we look for, God sometimes, he doesn't, you know, it's time to grow up. It's time to move beyond those things. And sometimes it's just like, okay, David, here. You wanted this? You want to know if this is right? Here. Let me put it on the front page of the paper. <laughs> let me you know, let this happen in your life. And so there are the coincidental, no, divine appointments of how that the universe all works, how that everything is set in motion, and yet that whole motion of the universe is not out of place. Even when there are asteroids that go in and out of, seemingly out of their orbits and crash into things. Inside of us and in our everyday life, God is at work. And what we need to do is see the hand of God, acknowledge the hand of God, and continue to thank God for being with us. And even when I don't understand, I trust you. See, and we see these situations over and over again in the Bible. We see them over and over again where disaster strikes. And, you know, David in the 23rd Psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk through. Walk through. Not pitch a tent and live in the valley of death. I walk through the disappointments and difficulties of my life, the failures, the, the transitional places of life. I have to walk through them and to arrive at the pasture. You know? And so we go in and out of Christ, and what do we do? We find pasture. As we listen to Christ knocking at our heart's door, we open ourselves to be receptive to the forgiveness of God and let go of all of our sins, all of our failures, and let go of our pride that says, God can't save me. And God will change us from the inside out. We will go in and out and find pasture and forgiveness and restoration. We will come out and find promises and the purpose of God just all around us in everything we see and do. And if we can learn to look at God through the eyes of trusting, not through the eyes of the, in the shadow of death. You see, um, one more thing and I'll quit. Job, you know, we are always familiar with Job and he lost everything. And, and sometimes we say about Job's wife, you know, he says, curse God. She says, curse God and die. You see, Job had an understanding of God that didn't fit anyone else's understanding. He couldn't see that God would punish him because he was in a right relationship with him. 
His wife says Chris got in dying. She's lost 10 kids. She's lost 10 children. That's grief. <laughs> you t- you know, she, she had a right to curse God and die. Uh, she had a right to tell Job that, but she was in that valley. But Job was able to see beyond the circumstances that the God that he understood was not the God that everybody else was telling him. And you see, in our life, we have to be able to see that the God that we misunderstood is, is really what sometimes we base our beliefs on. Well, we've got to understand that we come into this relationship with God. I am forgiven. I am restored. I may fall on the ground. I may I'll have to get back up. I may fail. I may, make, I may sin. I've I got to get back up. It isn't that we fall. It's that we need to get up and allow ourselves to enter into this relationship with Christ again and again and again. Amen? Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that we enter into this relationship with you. God, we ask you for the forgiveness of every sin. We ask you, O God, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ask you, O God, to wash us by the blood of the Lamb. Make us whole again. We thank you. And we thank you for the life you've prepared for us, for the promises that come to us and are renewed every day. God, let us go forward with the promise and hope and understanding that we'll be never left behind <laughs> and that you, always, you are always inside of us and we are inside of you. Amen? Amen. That wasn't too hard of an amen.